1: We've come to Revelation chapter 9 and the blowing of the fifth trumpet. You may recall that when the seventh seal was opened, seven angels with seven trumpets appeared on the scene and began to blow their trumpets one by one. We've already dealt with the first four trumpets. and Today, Brother Buddy Abernathy describes the scene in Revelation 9 as the blowing of this fifth trumpet shows us how God sometimes protects His children indirectly by suffering wicked men to tear down other wicked men. Because the book of Revelation can be somewhat complicated, and in particular this section, we wanted to post the sermon in its entirety. And due to its length, we will not have a song today, but we'll go right into the message.
0: The book of Revelation is not only difficult to interpret, it's also, at least for me, difficult to keep the structure of it in mind. Uh, There's a lot of... Sevens in the book, seven churches, seven seals, uh, seven trumpet, seven vials. And remember, the book of Revelation uses symbolic language to illustrate what's happening in the spiritual realm, in particular, the evil spiritual realm. So now this brings us to the ninth chapter of Revelation where we concluded last time. We talked some about what happened when the fifth angel sounded his trumpet. I want to begin there again tonight by reading the first three verses of chapter 9. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Of the earth have power. Now, I realize we talked about this some last time, but I feel like I've received some more light, and so I want to cover just a few verses at a time and hopefully uh, give you some things we didn't share last time. So, first of all, notice it says, The fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now the bottomless pit is hell. When those that are not redeemed by Christ die, they go to hell. That's a real place where they are conscience. It's not the grave. Sometimes the word hell is used in reference to the grave. And it's important when you study the Bible that you are careful to make the correct interpretation as to whether it's referring to the grave or to hell as a place of conscious darkness where the wicked are. Now, when the Lord comes back at the resurrection, those souls of the ones that were not redeemed by Christ will be brought up and united with their resurrected bodies and cast into the lake of fire. And that's the final eternal abode of the wicked. When the Lord's people die, we immediately go to heaven, and we're conscious of what's going on. When the Lord comes back, he'll bring those that are in heaven with him, resurrect their bodies, and then they will go with him into glory to live forever. So keep that in mind, we'll be talking about that a little more later, that the bottomless pit is a reference to hell but first of all let's look at that star what is that star well we know it's some kind of living being because it says in verse 1 to him that is to the star was given the key of the bottomless pit so whatever this star is or whatever the idea is here is to be understood as some kind of living being. I don't know why the word star is used. You know, if we waited till we understood all of Revelation, we'd never preach on it. I'm not sure why the word star is used, but the verse does let us know that it's some kind of living being because to Him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now let's consider a couple of things that that star, which is a living being, could be descriptive of. And keep in mind as we make some particular applications as to what that star might be, the main thing is not to figure out exactly what that star is referencing, but to understand the idea behind this star, which is a living being, and what this living being is doing. We don't have to determine exactly which living being this is to make the application, but it's interesting to give some consideration to that because that'll help us understand what this star is doing. Now, first of all, this star, which is a living being, could be referring to an angel. And here's why I say that. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1, let's turn to that, you'll notice Here, there is a being referred to, or there's an angel identified. And notice what this angel does. Revelation 20 verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So first notice this comparison. This star in Revelation 9 was given the key of the bottomless pit. Here in Revelation 20, an
2: angel has the key of the bottomless pit. Now here's the difference.
0: The angel in Revelation chapter 20 is casting Satan into the bottomless pit, and he is bound there. In other words, this angel is doing God's bidding because Satan is being dealt with. But now this angel in Revelation chapter 9, as we'll see in the latter verses, this star, if we can refer to it as, as an angel opens the bottomless pit and releases smoke and these frightening locust-like creatures. So you see the difference? The angel in Revelation 20 is doing God's bidding from the standpoint that Satan's being cast into the bottomless pit and bound for a thousand years. This angel in Revelation 9 is doing... Just the opposite. He's releasing these scary locust-like creatures out of the bottomless pit. So if this could be looked at as an angel, it's an evil angel, isn't it? Uh, This is not a, a good angel like the one in Revelation 20. Now, Jude... Uh, Verse 6 makes reference to these kinds of angels. Jude verse 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, that would be heaven, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now notice here, these are some evil angels. These angels kept not their first estate and notice where they're at and what the Lord is doing. He's reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day, of the great day and, and the great day under consideration there is the second coming of Christ. And until the Lord comes back, notice what he says, they're, under, they're, they're, re, they're reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. That's the same as the bottomless pit, just described in a different way.
2: So there's good angels and there's bad angels. Now, you know,
0: as I study Revelation and talk about it, it's easy to think, well, are all these things really real? Well, notice a couple of passages in the literal language of Revelation, I mean Ephesians, first of all, chapter 2, notice you were influenced whether it was by an evil angel or some other type of evil being, you were influenced by that before you were born again. In Ephesians 2 and verse 2, it says, In time past you walked according to the course of this world, according, listen now, according to the prince of the power of the air. See, this is a spiritual realm, but it's an evil spiritual realm. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, that is, the offspring of Adam's disobedience who are not born of the spirit are still under the influence and control of this prince of the power of the air. And then look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Now this is not referring to us in our unregenerate state when we're dead in trespasses and sins, this is referring to us as born-again children of God. And we're, we are not as born-again children of God delivered from all the influence of this prince of the power, the heir. Now we have a, another spirit in us, and that spirit in us is referred to as Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and influences you. But look at Ephesians 6:12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, listen, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness
2: in high places. We are wrestling against the
0: rulers of the darkness of this world. So in Paul's New Testament epistles to churches, where he's not using symbolic language, he makes it clear that not only is there the spiritual realm that we think about as the kingdom of God, but there's also this spiritual realm of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. And as he describes it in Ephesians six twelve, that phrase, the rulers of the darkness of this world. So if this angel, if this star could be thought of as an angel, it's a bad angel. There are bad, evil, wicked spiritual beings, which we've clearly established. And this angel, unlike the one in Revelation 20, is releasing evil things from the bottomless pit into the earth. So you could think of this star as an evil angel. Also, you know, there's some ways that this could be descriptive of Satan himself. Look at... uh, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Notice there's somewhat of the same picture that Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. And here in Revelation chapter 9, notice it says that this star, that, this, that uh, John saw this star
2: fall from heaven unto the earth. Now here's what I want you to remember in light of everything we've said so far. Whatever the case may be, whether this star
0: could be thought of as an evil angel, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience, Satan himself, that really doesn't matter. I'm just sharing that with you for you to picture some ideas. What matters is this is an evil being that fell from heaven unto the earth. Now, good angels don't fall from heaven, do they? They're sent into the world by God, and they stand ready to do what the Lord would have them to do. So that's all you really need to understand from this, is this is some kind of evil uh, being
2: that fell from heaven to the earth. Verse 2, or or the end of verse
0: 1. To him was given the key of the bottomless
2: pit. And notice what happens in verse 2. And he opened the bottomless
0: pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, there's something I, I really want you to see here. This living being that fell from heaven was given the key of the bottomless pit. I'm going to try to be careful with this because I want it to be clear.
2: You know who has the key to the bottomless pit? Jesus. Now wait a minute.
0: This is not a good angel. This is not an angel that does God's bidding in terms of righteousness.
2: It's clear this is some kind of wicked being. So why in the
0: world would Jesus give that kind of being the key to the bottomless pit? Well, that's going to be made clear in the next few verses. But first of all, notice in uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18 how it describes these keys that Jesus has. Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys, plural, of hell and death. Now one thing to keep in mind, whether it's a godly being or a wicked being, they can only go into the bottomless pit if Jesus gives them the key. He, see, he's always in sovereign control. In Revelation 20,
2: that angel came down and bound Satan for a thousand years. So why did Jesus, who holds the keys
0: of hell and death, Give the key to the bottomless pit to some kind of evil being in order that he might open the bottomless pit and release these frightening creatures that look like locusts. See, that's the question that we're going to consider for the balance of our time.
2: That doesn't seem right, does it? Why would Jesus do that? Well, here's something that makes it even more difficult.
0: We've already said the bottomless pit is hell. And notice how it is described in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 8. the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, listen, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, notice this carefully. First of all, speaking to the Lord's people, says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. That's from our vantage point. But there are some people that have, that it that it's, applies this way. Listen. Those whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, they'll behold the beast that was, listen, and is
2: not, and yet is. See, to the wicked that go to hell, When
0: the final uh, state of the beast in their perspective is he yet is. That's not going to be descriptive of us. We look at the beast that was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. See, we're not going to be there with the perspective of the wicked. He's going to be ruined as far as we're concerned. But with them, it's going to be said he yet is. But the point I want to get to this in relation to what we're talking about tonight is this makes reference here to the bottomless pit And this is obviously hell because the people there are those whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Those there are not the elect of God. So that just makes the question more puzzling. Why would Jesus give an evil being of some kind the key to access hell, the bottomless pit, and release these evil, frightening creatures. In what way is that good? In what way is that something that would align with the character of Jesus or the character of God? Well, you remember throughout this book, one of the things I've stated several times is the Lord often judges the wicked to deliver His people. You remember I said that much of the Bible talks about when we're obedient, the Lord blesses us. When we're disobedient, He chastens us. The the perspective in Revelation is more often this idea that the
2: Lord delivers us by cursing the wicked. So I'm now going to tell you why that Jesus did this. And we'll read what it says about it. See, the wicked, as we'll see in the following verses, they'll also destroy the wicked.
0: Now, I like this illustration that I heard someone make. Two of the most evil men in modern history was Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. Now Hitler's more infamous because he killed Jews. Just wholesale killed Jews. But actually Stalin killed more people than Hitler did. They both killed millions. Stalin just killed millions more. Now Stalin didn't kill so much a certain race of people. He just worked people to death and starved them to death to build his infrastructure and a lot of other things. He also killed his own men if he felt threatened. He killed all his generals one time. It doesn't matter how close you were to him. If you were a threat or he thought you were a threat, he killed you. They both killed millions of people. But you know, just prior to World War II, they signed between themselves a a non-aggression pact that was supposed to be good for 10 years. In other words, for the next 10 years, I'm going to leave you alone, and for the next 10 years, you leave me alone. Now, when that pact was signed, it it was in the best interest of both of them. Hitler was about to invade Poland, and I can't remember everything about it, but the point is, it, both of them benefited by not attacking each other at that time. So they signed this non-aggression pact that was supposed to be good for 10 years. Two years later, it was no longer in Hitler's best interest not to attack Stalin. So he invades Russia. <laughs> you know, the wicked, you, you know, they're, they're going to eventually turn on each other, whether it's on a broad scale like that or whether it's two men robbing a bank. You know, they're going to cooperate robbing the bank. They're going to make a plan. They're going to co- cooperate on that. They're going to probably cooperate on escaping. But if, if they get to the point where it's of no advantage for one of them to cooperate with the other. They may kill the other one to get all the money. You know, that's just how it is, isn't it? On, on, a, on a
2: small scale and a large scale. So notice what happens here. Verse 3. And there came out of the
0: smoke locusts upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green tree, neither... that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Remember, those that have the seal of God are God's born-again children. So these, these evil creatures released from the bottomless pit, it, they were only uh, given uh, power to hurt those that have not the seal of God in their foreheads.
2: God suffers these evil
0: creatures to be released from hell for the purpose of destroying wicked men, which is their nature to do, and in effect, deliver God's children. Now, I I, I didn't do well in history, but I'm sure, and some of you probably know this better than I do, that uh, if if that if, that if Hitler and Stalin kept that 10-year non-aggression pact, what would the outcome have been?
2: It would have been entirely different. Because that was right before we entered into the war.
0: So they were given power to hurt those that had not the seal of God in their forehead. Verse 5. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion, which he strike when he striketh a man. And then listen to this. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, And death shall flee from them. Now this is when the wicked attack the wicked. So here's here's how this can help us. Jesus is in sovereign control over all the affairs of this world. He's not the author of sin. He's not the author of evil but just like Stalin and Hitler, there's already plenty of people that want to do evil. And the Lord may, as it is taught here, may often suffer or permit the evil to do evil things to destroy other evil people. And that, in effect,
2: Delivers the Lord's people. You know this. This is. Hard material for me to try to go through. And I'm going to stop there tonight.
0: But I hope I hope I presented that in a way that you understand it. And realize not only does the Lord protect us. As his children directly. (laughs) But also, shall we say, he indirectly protects us by suffering men like Hitler to sign a 10-year non-aggression agreement and then two years later violate it and destroy another evil empire or, 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 or deal a blow to another evil
1: empire. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1-8-4-7-at-gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L-at-gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer.
0: We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online
2: at zionpbc.com.